African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. It's the 6th of January 2021. Welcome to African Dialogue. We're coming to you live from our headquarters at the SABC in South Africa in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. My name is Ayanda Mkwanazi. We'll be driving the show together with Dumelo Zulu and Adrian Kenny. Well, let's go on to our story, uh, rather our topic today, looking at the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, which will have its hands full when it resumes its work this year. It is still to hear testimonies of prominent people in the country, such as President Sol Ramaphosa, who was Deputy President of the country during Jacob Zuma's tenure, which is the same period where state uh, looting is alleged to have taken place for a number of years. Meanwhile, uh, judgment in the Constitutional Court application for former President Jacob Zuma to comply with the summons directing him to appear before the State Capture Commission has been reserved. The application also sought an order declaring Zuma's walkout unlawful and in breach of the Commission's Act. Sticking to his guns, the former president did not show up at the Constitutional Court either to respond or oppose arguments by the Commission's legal team. Well, to help us with the discussion, we're joined on the line today by Professor Susan Boyson, who's a political analyst, as well as Levin Doe, who's also a political analyst. Good morning to you both. Thank you for joining us and a happy new year. Good morning, Ayanda and Levi, and the same to you. Thank you. I think we've uh, lost Levi. We'll try and get him back. Let's let's continue with you, Professor Boyson. You know, looking at um, the resumption of the State Capture Commission, a lot on its plate in terms of trying to wrap up uh, witness testimonies before March. Yes, indeed. We saw things really speeding up late last year, November, December, and a lot of the missing links and gaps in information being filled in. And Judge Zondo has indicated at a media briefing in December that until March, they will still be hearing the verbal evidence. And then three months for writing, they will be applying. They have applied for an extension by three months until middle of next year. So it is anticipated that by June, we should have the report, which is still a fairly long wait. And much needs to be done, but it is so crucial that the credibility that is secured of the Commission's work and that all necessary gaps are filled in. And of course, the big elephant in the room is still former President Jacob Zuma and his attempts to not just obstruct and avoid his own appearances at the Commission, but also his attempts to legitimize the work of the Commission. And another point that has to be wrapped up Mm. is the Constitutional Court, that hearing of 29 December late last year. And we're waiting to hear whether there will be a ruling to force former President Zuma to actually go and appear. Mm. Much is at stake. Mm. 
how much of an influence um, does this uh, constitutional court have in ensuring that or, or forcing the former president to take the stand at the state commission, uh, Professor? Yeah, it is pivotal. It, all, it is really a turning point moment waiting to happen in the life of this commission. We saw that the two judges, Makabula and Jafta, and uh, Madanga, Madanga and mm-hmm. Jafta, were quite skeptical when they heard the evidence from the legal representative for the commission and really wanted to know why only now, why not, for example, in January 2020 come and ask for this application because then it was already clear that President, former President Zuma was doing his avoidance tactics. Mm. And so the what they make of that delay and the level of recognition these two constitutional court judges or justices will give to the explanations as to the political reasons, the political context, that's really so important. It, and it will be fascinating to see to what extent they recognize the political context and the mm. fact that um, Justice Zondo, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo, had to play the political game as well, that he had to go softly, softly. Perhaps mm. that was a mistake. Perhaps he should have put his foot down, the Commission should have put his foot down much earlier. But I believe that does not negate the necessity for and the political sensitivity that Raymond Zondo displayed there and really had to display it. Mm-hmm. That you display, and um, given the political sensitivity, whether we like it or not, and the threats that former President Zuma had made to destabilize the commission, mm-hmm. it will be, I think it will be very challenging to the Justice's Constitutional Court to come up with a constitutionally valid, legally sound, and yet politically sensitive and aware interpretation of what had been happening. Hmm. Speaking of that political context and political um, sensitivity, Professor, I'd like to pose this to to you, Levindo. You'd be back on the line with us. President Ramaphosa is expected to be among those who are still um, to testify before the commission wraps up. You know, what, what kind of um, testimony or information are we expecting here? Because during the time that he was the, the second in charge, he was head of business. So his uh, testimony also very pivotal to the commission. Good morning and good morning to the listeners at home. Uh, good morning again to Professor Boysen. I think it's important. I think it's important for all of us as uh, South Africans to get to know exactly what uh, has been going on, uh, especially in relation to matters relating to to the fight against corruption, and also to uh, be able to move forward and change uh, the South African society for the better. Now, um, I think it's, it's also important to, to look at uh, the matters of, cor- of, of corruption in the context of um, and something that is secretly organized, which cannot be done quite openly, 
um, because there has to be a cycle of people that actually trust one another uh, and also make sure that uh, uh, they continuously protect each other. Um, uh, what we, we should expect from the president, uh, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, is to take all of us into confidence and provide the information about what he actually knows. Um, my, my expectation would be the, the I don't know um, uh, approach by the president, mm. if indeed he did not know anything, or um, someone will come out and say, there were certain things that actually happened, which I became suspicious and I couldn't ask anything because it wasn't my, my place. Um, because uh, the posture that uh, Ramaphosa has actually presented uh, whilst he was campaigning to become the president of the ANC and now the president of the Republic has been that of the fight against corruption and actually trying to correct the wrongs that has actually happened in the past. Um, and for me, I see uh, someone who must actually come in and say, based on what I've been saying that um, I'm going to fight against, which is corruption, this is what I know. And um, uh, uh, I would expect him to actually come up very clearly and, and, and explain what has actually happened if there is something that he actually knew. But also, it is also important for President Ramaphosa to come in because, as you have correctly mentioned, he was the deputy president uh, to Jacob Zuma, and some people, and actually the majority of South African citizens, might feel that it would be unfair only to have pres former President Zuma coming and testify in the commission and not touch on Ramaphosa, because uh, these people have been working together all the time. Mm, but mm. what is crucial is the version that we need to get from uh, President Ramaphosa, which I think has a potential to assist the Commission and South Africa to move forward. Mm. Can we? Ex you were saying there that you are also uh, part, uh, partially ex expecting him to maybe say that I don't know, so I could not act. But uh, you know, we've seen how those kind of responses have really agitated the work of the Commission levy. When we speak about, uh, which then leads to people uh, uh, making accusations that the commission is biased, what do you make of that, uh, you know, and, and uh, do they have a leg to stand on? Well, I think, um, um, firstly, um, people that are involved in corrupt activities, as I indicated earlier, would actually try their best to do it secretly, uh, knowing that, uh, uh, making sure that other people wouldn't see what is actually happening. Um, if uh, President Ramaphosa was part of the corruption or the alleged corruption cycle, he would have known what is happening. But if he wasn't part of that, he would obviously not know because uh, they would actually try their best to hide it from him. Um, but also at the same time, that is why you have got a situation where there is a view from other sectors of society that's, that is trying to say that 
all of us have been involved in these corrupt activities. And that's why now you start hearing some people starting to say, maybe we should um, 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 uh, come with a pardon for corruption or some sort of, um, uh, uh, of, of a waiver so that we actually start on a clean slate. That will be something that will be preferable for, uh, to some quarters. But some people at the same time are saying, no, we cannot come with a waiver because we need to act on corruption. But what would be more interesting for me would be the posture or the, the, the approach that will actually be used by the Zondo team when they actually approach uh, President Ramaphosa. Whether they are going to push him to the edge to an extent where he's actually going to say something of more interest to them or whether they're just going to give him a free role to just come there and explain whatever he knows and not make any follow-ups. So for me, the approach by the commission would play a very important role in this regard. Professor Boyson, would you like to touch on that uh um, mm. aspect of, you know, the approach of how they are going to approach him because, you know, like I'm okay. saying that they have been accused of being biased, of letting people go on a rant and then some people are scrutinized. You know, the approach will be very interesting to keep an eye on. It will be pivotal because I'll be pushing President Ramaphosa to reveal as much as he knows will be an earth-shattering experience. And it will probably bring down the ANC in that. (laughs) Because we know President Ramaphosa will not be there in his personal capacity, Mm. even if I would also love to hear what exactly he has known in that from the point to 2012 Mangaung when he came in as Deputy President of the ANC. He was in the Cabinet. He was in the Deployment Commission of the ANC. He was pivotal to many of these decisions. There is no doubt that complicity went right up to around early 2017 when he started turning and proclaiming his campaign for Nazrek. So there is a big chunk of history there that that is shouting to be unpacked, revealed and unpacked. And But if Ramaphosa goes to the Zander Commission and either voluntarily or is forced to reveal everything that he knows, I'm sure it is just going to be back to the mode of the ANC. And we know the mantra around the ANC since Nazareth 2017, and Ron has been repeating that repeatedly, that unity is paramount. And I'm afraid, however much I and everybody else hope that there will be this transparency and coming clean, it is going to be the ANC that's put foremost in the evidence that he is prepared to give. And yes, the approach of the Zonda team, Ramaphosa is not there as an accused person. And so I think they will go relatively softly and say that the place to have all the other knowledge that is perhaps important but not directly relevant to the primary brief or the commission, I think they will defer that to another forum for that to be revealed. And I think Ramposa throughout will be 
very mindful of the fact that is that you tell I tell that has been central to the ANC and how it has been handling corruption allegations, minimize what is revealed, irrespective of we here, as we heard late last year and earlier in the year, we had heard from Romvula Mokonyane crucial information as to how the ANC manages finances, how it leverages public deployment positions to bring in funds to the party, how it leverages procurement and contracts to help get finance for the party. There have been several instances of evidence in that regard being led at the Commission. But that type of evidence came to light after people again, who had been implicated when they, they had to defend themselves. Ramposa does not go to the commission as an implicated person. Let's go back uh, to the issue of the former president, Jacob Zuma now. Um, Levy, if I come to you, the relationship between the, the chair of the commission, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo and Jacob Zuma, you know, possibly could have been affected by what has happened now they had the hearing he wanted him to recuse himself and he did not win on that and now they are in a court battle should the uh, constitutional court um grant the the the, the, the commission that um uh, a permission to have zuma back on that stand are we ex- i mean i'm just trying to imagine the kind of person who'll be testifying i mean are we going to get a fair account of what's happening uh are we is he likely to appeal that decision by the concord well um that that will that will be something um quite difficult to tell now uh but then if you know president zuma and um, he 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 has this um um a tendency of wanting to prolong uh, everything but uh, i think there are a few things that we need to look at which for me i think they are quite crucial the first point is that the 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 zondo commission or the chairperson of the commission was appointed by mr zuma himself and if now uh, former president zuma talk about his other relations with uh, uh, with um, uh, Deputy Justice Zondo and talking about the recusal, it also goes back to him to say what was in his mind when he appointed uh, uh, Deputy Justice Zondo. Was he appointing him because they've got a personal relationship or not? If it was informed by a personal relationship, the question would be was that a correct appointment or, to, or it was an appointment that was based on corruption? Um, but then another aspect will be that uh, former President Zuma had initially presented himself to the commission. And th- these are the issues that he never raised about his relationship with Chief Justice Zondo. Um, but then it will also be why only now uh, uh, former President Zuma would be questioning relations with uh, Justice Zondo. But as we move forward, um, the events that are actually taking place now for me would be a good test uh, for the integrity and the professionalism on the part of Deputy Justice Zondo. Because he still, if he has to continue, 
he still has to do his work and not show any form of emotions or uh, biased towards or against any person, even though there are these kind of uh, events that actually took place. Another aspect is that the commission is under a lot of pressure. Uh, uh, The time factor and the anxiety amongst ordinary citizens in South Africa. They want to see this commission finishing its work and they, they will be eagerly waiting for its report and recommendations. And um, it is up to President Zuma and his advisors to assist uh, South Africa and the commission to move forward so that this chapter is closed and then we start a new chapter. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, these are the times that are actually facing us today in South Africa. And I, I hope, like all other South Africans, that this has to come to pass and the commission has to actually finish its work. But whether we like it or not, the, the relationship between the two is actually tainted. And that's the voice of Levin Doe, a political analyst. He's also joined on the line by Professor Susan Boyson, a political analyst. Let's go for a break. And then when we come back, uh, I'd like us to touch on the effectiveness of the commission so far. Um, all of the witness testimonies that we've heard, um, the consequences, the implications, uh, as you are rightfully saying, um, Levy, that people are, South Africans are waiting anxiously for that report, for those recommendations. And uh, just, you know, between now and June, and then after June, uh, with those recommendations as well, where to from there after the break? Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel, Channel Africa. Africa on the social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One. And YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Welcome back. You're still listening to African Dialogue. A reminder that we're coming to you live from uh, our headquarters at the SABC in Auckland Park. Listen to us on the DSTV channel 802. You can also live stream us on our website www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, we're continuing our conversation here looking at the resumption of the State Capture Commission of Inquiry this year. It's expected to also wrap up its uh, witness testimony 
by middle of the year and also provide a report uh, to the public. Well, we joined on the line by Professor Susan Boyson, who's a political analyst, as well as Levy Ndo, who's also a political analyst. Um, just quickly to you, uh, Levy, how would you um, sum up the work of the commission so far? Has it been effective? Well, I think uh, to a certain extent, the commission has been uh, effective. Uh, why do I say so? Um, it, the commission has been able to dig deep down and expose a number of um, things that has been happening um, uh, in government and in the, in the private sector. And the, there are specific individuals that have provided information uh, that actually opened the eyes of all of us about the dealings that have been taking place uh, behind those doors uh, amongst different role players. Um, the information by Agrisi, the, the information from Nombula um, Mkwenyane, uh, the information from a number of uh, former cabinet um, uh, ministers, um, uh, the information from um, other government uh, officials uh, in a number of provinces has actually opened a lot of eyes and exposed a number of uh, 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 wrong things that are uh, or that were actually happening. And uh, there might still be a lot that has not been exposed. Uh, but at least those that were following the events and activities at the commission would actually tell that uh, a lot uh, and we now know that uh, a lot has not been done properly and maybe and maybe it will assist uh, those that still want to take a career in politics in doing things and also assist our public officials to actually change some of the things and actually create systems that will actually correct the wrongs that have been going on in the public sector. And I have to let you go there. Thank you so much for your analysis. That's Olivendo. Let's stick with you, Professor Susan Boyson, just for the next eight, nine minutes or so. The same question that I've asked um, Levy in terms of the effectiveness of the commission so far. Yes, indeed. You know, something that we cannot deny, and that has been very impressive about the Commission, is the level of accountability and how this has been upped in this process. It is, uh, there is sufficient evidence, uh, mountains of evidence, actually, that those who thought that in terms of capture, the buck stopped there, and that it's all subterfuge and they would not be held accountable for what they did with public resources, that is out there in the open. And the Commission has played an amazing role in this regard. Very often, the evidence that we heard were confirmations, for example, of Gupta leaks, of Kabna, of Mitsubishi Jonas, Pravin Gordon, etc., when they were fired and the people they were replaced with. And 
in the, in that context of debates, we'd already much heard much many of the allegations. But here was we've seen so far a systematic recording of what had transpired in these dark years. And yes, of course, there were also many transgressions in the time before um, former President Zuma came to power in 2009 as president of the country. But we have, we saw an escalation, a systematic accumulation of the capture project in that time since. And the commission has played so far an incredible role in mapping this and putting together the puzzle pieces. And to that extent, I think we, we know we have only seen a number of arrests. We've seen a number of cases open and charges laid. We've seen confrontation as previous confirmation, confrontation of those previous realities, perceptions of realities and confirmation of others. So this has been laid bare in a systematic way and a big task is lying ahead for this report, not just to remain standing, for the Commission to remain standing in these final months of Zuma's planned assault on every aspect of the community and also to the role the judicial system of South Africa will be playing in the next few months in the applications and counter-applications. And we hope that the application by the Commission to the Constitutional Court, that that will actually be definitive and set, it, set out the benchmarks there, that this is the Commission, it will proceed, it will it will do its work. Of course, anybody can take the findings of the Commission on review, and of course, Zuma will do that. He and his legal team will do that. But we have also become aware that that is always part of the game. That is a new political game in South Africa to bring the courts in, to prolong everything as much as possible, to create as much uncertainty and doubt. But we can live with that. That's part of our new normal in South African politics. But I think the Commission so far has made an incredible contribution, and I hope it remains standing. If we touch on the issue of the time pressure as well, that it's got just a few months to, yeah. to you know, to wrap up everything, and also at the same time, it cannot compromise its integrity. Yes, indeed, the time pressures are immense. Uh, but we also have to remember that so much evidence has already been led. We have heard that the uh, the, the exact numbers of hundreds of summonses that have been. I think close to 3,000 summonses that have been issued, oral evidence heard, and for much of the oral evidence that we've heard, there's also written evidence that we have not even had a glimpse of at this stage. And there is a team of people who are working on it and writing on it and putting together the broad outlines so that Raymond Zonda will be able to come in and... Yes, insert his, uh, ensure that it's all still in line. He has consulted all the way on what is being written to date, and his stamp will be on that. And his overall very senior legal interpretation of the balance of evidence.
that will mark this report. And I think it will be a report that will set new benchmarks. Also, give direction as to how to operate when these political uncertainties and attempts at, at political sabotage of a commission continue unabated as the slides show while the report is being produced. So there are new demands, um, unprecedented demands on this report as it takes shape and it will be it's going to be a huge political moment towards the middle of the year when that is being released. Mm. And in terms of uh, now when the report has been uh, issued or, or released, what, what would be the next step now? And, and when, when, when it releases its report, does it release it to the public immediately or to the president first? You know, do we know exactly who this report goes to first? No, technically, yes, it goes it goes to the president and it is released from there. We can just think back of the Hera Commission on the Fees Must Fall movement to the end of 2017 on the eve of Jacob Zuma's ousting from Bauer and the ANC that he had been sitting on the Hera Commission report for months and then jumped in and offered his own solution and basically... Um, denied, rejected the commission report. But the Zondo Commission report, I think, is a totally different stature. It goes to the heart of South African politics. And I, because the ANC and its presidents, former presidents especially, are implicated, is implicated so heavily in this, I think it will be released very soon because it will create too much doubt and suspicion, especially run up to local government elections towards late this year. It would probably be time to be released as soon as possible. The nature, the content of this will demand that there are not undue delays in releasing it. Undue delays will create a lot of suspicion, political suspicion and doubt, which the ANC, I'm, I believe, will not be able to countenance at that point, and they would want to get it over with. And those recommendations that it would come with, who would then be tasked to, uh, with, with that responsibility of enforcing those recommendations? You know, it, it, it's a special status about the, this commission is that it doesn't, what the evidence does not directly translate into charges against people. But the NPA, National Prosecuting Authority, they will be taking forward the, the details. They, we've seen they have been enabled already to work on evidence that had been led we, and there's been some evidence already that they are working on it and some charges have followed already. And that will be escalated and stepped up and there will be concerted attention to the details of the findings here. So there will be legal consequences, but not following in directly from the Report, but the prosecuting authorities um, will be taking that up. And we know by now that legally they are allowed to use the evidence that was led at the commission in building future cases. 
Well, that's where we'll leave it with you. Thank you so much for uh, being patient while we're wrapping up there with Levindo. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Susan Boyson, uh, as always. And uh, earlier on, we also had Levindo. Both of them are political analysts. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.